Welcome to Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. We are so excited today to have a good friend of mine on the podcast, a guy named Frank Shelton. Frank is a guy who is uh, has really the same calling that I do. He's in full-time evangelism. He travels across the world, and really he does a lot of things beyond just preaching. I mean, he leads cruises over in the Holy Land. Um, he's very connected with some professional athletes. Uh, he, he does major crusades. He does churches. He does schools. He's got an incredible ministry. He's a guy that I've known for years and years and respect greatly. Frank, welcome to the podcast today. Oh, Jay, I'm honored. And buddy, thank you for your leadership and friendship. And uh, it's my delight to be with you. Well, man, I love you. And you know, I do this today. We're talking about politics and religion. And Frank, it'd be great today if you could just give people a little bit of a background on you, because I know that not only have you been involved in the political realm, and I didn't even mention a while ago, um, I know that you lead some very strategic and important meetings there in Washington, D.C. I know you've got family, a history of family that's been in politics. If you would, just let our listeners know a little bit of, of your background in politics. Yeah, well, um my mom and dad both were employed at the United States Capitol, pregnant with me. My father uh, was with the U.S. Capitol Police. My mom was with the U.S. Capitol Historical Society. My mom was born 4th of July. Uh, I was born President's Day weekend. She goes into labor with me, and she literally thought she was going to give birth to me in the halls of Congress. So I joke, and it was President's Day weekend, and I joke a lot of people come to visit Washington. There's a few of us that actually were born to work there. And um, so I had been around my whole life. I'm a five-generation Washingtonian. Um, My dad did 40 years on Capitol Hill. He ended up retiring as the assistant chief of the entire America's Police Department, the United States Capitol Police, out of 3,000 sworn officers. My dad was the number two top cop in our nation's capital, so I've always been proud of him. He protected eight U.S. presidents. But the Shelton go back five consecutive generation of D.C. police, my mom, the historian, and the family has realized that the Sheltons have directly or indirectly protected the last 26 of 29 U.S. presidents. We go all the way back to Abraham Lincoln, and my ancestor hand-carried Abraham Lincoln across the street from Ford's Theater the night that he was shot. And my ancestor on my mother's side of the family hand-planted the world-famous cherry blossoms that a million people come every April to see what my ancestor on mom's side of the family planted and both held greatness in their hand one carried a president the other was a plant the other one carried something in death the other carried something in life but both carried greatness in their hands and we all carry greatness jay we're made in god's image he makes no junk we're part of the divine dna and um i just love that verse whatever your hand finds to do do it for god's glory so i was going to go into politics preach or protect the president. And by my 35th birthday, I was blessed to pursue all three vocations by my 35th birthday. I had volunteered in four different White Houses of both parties. I was a fundraiser to George W. Bush. My office got evacuated on 9-11. We literally were told to run for your life. We thought that plane was going to rip the dome off the Capitol. 
And then uh, the Pentagon's on fire. So while a lot of people watched it on television, I was living it real time. I was a speechwriter to a member of Congress. I was an aide to the governor of Maryland. And I was the youngest in 40 years to be appointed on the floor of the United States Senate, where I had the honor to work for all 100 senators and the vice president on a daily basis. But I went from writing speeches for a congressman to actually giving them in his absence. But I was bivocational. I was already ordained. And I truly love marketplace ministry. Like I counted one day in a Bible study, there Jesus is mentioned 113 times just in the New Testament, literally his name, but only 10 times as he mentioned in the sanctuary. Now, he who embodies the church, loves the church, gave his life for the church. Um, I know he was in church a lot more than that, but it shows you that he was outside the church more than in it. So, you know, some of us may be accountants, some people may be a math teacher. Some people may be the vice president of a bank. Some could be a high school football coach. The real world is outside the four walls. So we take seriously just shining a light day and night. But having said that, July 27th, next month will be my 15th anniversary. While I was still working full-time on Capitol Hill, Jim, my last year in Washington full-time, I preached 100 times in 14 states in 52 weeks with a full-time government job. And I started thinking, gosh, you know, Paul made sense by day. And I know God is using me in Washington. But at that moment, I felt like the Lord was saying, Frank, step out by faith. Go into full-time evangelism. Time is short. And I can probably reach you, use you more out of Washington than in it. So with no retirement, no forward, so no health insurance, I left completely by faith July 2007. And uh, since then, we've been preaching coast to coast, and God's been faithful. But um, our whole passion is really just preaching the gospel, trying to see souls saved, um, complimenting the local church and pastor, encouraging them, uh, but at the same time, just in love, telling them Jesus saves. He's the only way. Time is ticking, and today's the day of salvation. Well, and one of the things, Frank, that I, I really like about you, especially when we launch into today's podcast about politics and religion, is that you have relationships with some very strategic people on both sides of the aisle, both Democrats and Republicans. So um, I, I think that also lends a lot of credibility to you that you have been able to, and we're going to talk about this as we get further on the podcast, that you've been able to kind of bridge the gap. Um, where a, a, a lot of folks that are either on one side or the other, and while they talk about building a bridge, they're doing more building of a wall. So, um, man, I, I, I respect greatly um, not only your, your family's heritage, but, but yours as well. And uh, thank God for people like you that have a voice, not just in the four walls of the church, but outside. You know, as we launch today, uh, Frank, in today's podcast, I want to throw a zinger at you right off the jump here. Because um, it's something that uh, I see a lot and I hear a lot on social media. Frank, tell me this. Did God choose Joe Biden to be our current president? Wow, well, that's a great question. You know, the Bible is clear, but he definitely raises up things. He also debases or lowers them. He can make the current of a river turn on a dime. You know, this is his world. Um, but I also know that God can basically turn over a culture and a country um, to side with folks if they turn their back on God. I've had the honor, um, I first met Biden at the time, 
1994, 95, when I worked with the U.S. Senate, and he was from Delaware, of course. And then I had the honor to minister to him one-on-one at a son's uh, funeral in Dover in 2015, I believe it was. He was still vice president. And I had the honor to look him in the eye, shake his hand, and just speak life into him as his world was upside down. So having said that, you've been to the White House as well, and I've been in the room with both Biden and Trump. But more than ever, um, our answer is in God, not government. And although I pray daily for Biden, you know, as a country, we'd be better to get in the Bible. And uh, I love that verse, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I also love blessed is the nation whose leaders love the Lord. So my prayer more than ever is that uh, the president would uh, be surrounded with godly folks who just are not intrigued by political power, but no true power is in heaven alone. But to answer your question, yeah, that one is definitely above my pay grade because it's extremely late in the hour. But I do think some of our friends on the far right were sincere, but sincerely wrong to think that the Trump, not the Trinity, was going to be the game changer. You know, our hope cannot be in man. It must have been the God-man, Jesus the Christ. So, you know, my former boss was Billy Graham. He pastored 13 presidents. And you are very close friends with the Graham organization. But when someone asked Dr. Graham, are you after the right wing or the left wing? He said, I'm going after the whole bird. And that's what we are as well as Christians, as evangelists. I believe, Jay, when Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth on the cross with one arm stretched to the right and one arm stretched to the left. God gave me an idea once that I believe everyone to the political right and left, if they would just come by faith, acknowledge that they're a sinner in need of the Savior, Jesus is still with arms wide open willing to take anyone on either party because the answer is not in politics, it's in forgiveness. And, um, and that's, that's where we really, I, I preached just recently at a prayer event with U.S. Capitol behind me, where a lot of people are looking to Capitol Hill, we're looking to another hill at Calvary, and that's where God makes all things new. Well, so that's basically yeah, man. our message. Uh, you know, I, I, I did not tell you when we talked briefly before we started today's podcast that that was going to be the uh, opening question. Uh, I knew I could ask it to you, and I knew that you would give the correct answer. Ironically enough, I've been studying in Romans, and I, I wasn't looking this up because of this podcast. But just yesterday morning, um, I was reading in Romans chapter 13, and uh, you know, Paul wrote the book of Romans. And I remember, and it's always this way, when there's an election year, and uh, you'll hear people say that, oh, you've heard so many different things, but oftentimes people don't want to accept that their candidate was not God's choice. And again, reading Romans 13, one, the whole chapter really yesterday morning was just a reminder that God puts leaders in place. And and for some people, they're not going to like your answer because they feel like if their candidate wins, well, man, God was the one that put them in that position. And if their candidate doesn't win, that God had nothing to do with it. And I know that you're a guy like me who believes in Scripture, and if you believe in Scripture, then you've got to believe that whoever is in office, that God put them there. And and again, I think that's difficult for some people uh, to acknowledge and to accept. And and even again, uh, yesterday, it, reading Romans 13, you think about who wrote this, and it was Paul. And if you think about who was uh, a leader in the Roman government, was Nero. And anybody who knows anything about history knows that 
Nero was known for persecuting Christians. So you can imagine when Paul said that we that God institutes leaders and puts them in a position. I mean, this must have been uh, just a, a stick of dynamite to the ears of those who were hearing to think, wait a minute, this is a person who's trying to persecute and kill us, and yet you're telling us that God put him in, in place and that we've got to obey the laws of the land. Amen. And if I could just interject, okay, so here my dad protected eight U.S. presidents, and if dad was willing to die for some polar opposite than him politically, uh, we need to at least be able to say hi and pray for them, pray for all those in authority. And I've been saying this for years. If, if, if you only hang out with folks who look like you and talk like you and dress like you and vote like you, you probably don't look like the Lord because Paul said he was all things to all men to win some. And I can say this to the glory of God. Some of our greatest ministry moments was ministering to folks completely polar opposite of me. One example, just two years right before the COVID Matter of fact, the month before COVID hit, I had the honor um, to return for the fourth visit in two years at the invite of President Daniel Ortega, of all people, a communist country. And I had the honor to preach a five-city revival in five days. And then I was asked to come to his house and privately not only pray, but lay hands with him. And if I had this attitude like, he's not my cup of tea, you know, um, it's too much of a risk to go, you know, I could have missed out on that, but they really got to see a glimpse of God up close because I allowed God to use me. You know what I mean? And that's the thing when I hear these folks who can win a national championship of whoever, when Obama was office, you know, the former president was office, when they say, that's not my president. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, quote, if you're invited to the white house and you don't go, He said, you just failed at an opportunity to resemble God. He said, the Christian and the ambassador of heaven is to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. The the thermometer just tells you what the temperature of the room is, but the thermostat can actually change and dictate what the temperature is. And then he said, if you're not at the table, you'll actually be on the menu and they'll eat you alive when you're not there. So it's very hard to change the culture or climate if we're too arrogant to show up with the conversation. And I really believe when we go in and represent God, you know, if the crowd was arrogant and aloof and not aligned with the Lord, hopefully by us going to show a light, then maybe, just maybe, folks different than us may see the Lord in us. So that's why I'm looking for a way in, not a way out. Well, and you said it earlier, I mean— our, our, our responsibility, it doesn't matter whether you're in full-time ministry or not. Our responsibility is to bridge the gap and reach other people. And if we isolate other folks, as you stated, that don't look like us, dress like us, they don't have the same color of skin, vote like us, then we're missing an opportunity. And I know you. Uh, you're just like me. I've always said I will go anywhere, any place, anytime to share the gospel. Uh, it doesn't matter to me what labels over the door. Um and there have been times that I have been places that people said, what are you doing going there? I mean, those people yeah. are way out of your theo- your theology. They're, and, and I'm like, well, that's the very people that I'm supposed to reach. You know, Frank, in, 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 in looking at this topic today of politics and religion, I think one of the most important aspects is 
having a willingness to respect the opinions of others. And I mentioned earlier, one of the things that's great about you is you've cultivated relationships on both sides of the aisle. Do you agree with part of our responsibility as believers and people who are listening to this podcast that they're a Democrat, they're a Republican, their candidate didn't win, their candidate may not win in the next election, that part of bridging the gap is the willingness to respect other people's opinions. And then maybe you might elaborate, Frank, on what's the difference between respecting someone's opinion and agreeing with someone's opinion. Well, that's no. So let me, I'll answer this, this the latter one first. We're, we're truly living in a culture in an hour that there's very little respect for authority. I just spoke 15 public school assemblies in one week in North Carolina, which was a minor miracle. But I did 15 talks, 15 40-minute addresses. I think it was 10 schools, 15 talks in five days. And part of it is some of the people today across America, we don't have a respect for our parents. If it starts with the P, we don't respect. They don't respect the parents, the principal, the professor at the college, the police, uh, preachers, and then half the country doesn't respect the president of any given administration. Because truth be told, they don't respect true authority, which is the Prince of Peace. And if they looked in the mirror, the reason they can't respect God and others is because deep inside, they don't respect themselves. But until we can respect God, then and only then can we truly respect others. You know, it used to be not too long ago, back in the day when Reagan was president and Tip O'Neill was Speaker of the House, we had a Republican and Democrat, two powerful people but that they would meet at least monthly for a private lunch or dinner. They laughed. They truly respected each other. They tried to learn and find common ground for the betterment of the country. But we're so busy now where we have freshman members of Congress that are going more to TikTok and Instagram, degrading, belittling, and destroying other people. It's no longer about policy. It's about personality and keeping power. And that's a travesty. And um, so for the last five years, I've had the honor to lead a weekly Bible study that's been bipartisan to state senators in our state capitol, and then at times still with members of Congress. And I just really believe that, you know, people who look different than us um, may deep inside be open. I could tell you some praise reports on both sides of the political aisle where folks are not only giving God a chance, it's getting into their heart. They're making their marriages better. Uh, they see Capitol Hill now as a mission field. And um, some are even slowly changing the way they vote. So instead of us coming in, yelling at them, point the finger at them, lecturing them, you know, they will never vote right till their heart gets right. But once they get the biblical base, the Holy Spirit begins to work on them. And then um, we recently had a Democrat from the Northeast who... Um, a friend of mine just gave him a Bible and it sat on his desk. He began to read it. And then he grabbed my chaplain friend and said, I need you to come in the office. And he brought it up and he said, I'm having a hard time continuing to vote on abortion with my party. And they said, what was the change? He said, well, when you gave me the Bible, I've been reading it nonstop. And so this is a current member of Congress who's seeing it through a biblical lens and it's not anyone else, but the Holy Spirit just, opening his eyes to see something different. And uh, that's been encouraging. We've seen changes on the Republicans. We now have members of Congress on both sides of the aisle meeting privately 
and doing prayer walks around the floor of the U.S. Congress together saying we need God and less government. And just for those who are listening, let me just share this. If there's a pastor who would bring up the question, you know, should we be engaged in the public arena? Should we be involved in the political process? I'd like to point you back to a game changer. And this is the fact. The first nine out of 10 converts that the Apostle Paul led to Christ, the first nine out of 10 were public officials, and three of them were governors. So if the Apostle Paul saw fit to be led of the Lord and the Holy Spirit to influence influencers, see powerful politicians saved in his day, we would be wrong not to do it today. Well, I've never heard that statistic um, and, and never realized that. And it goes back to what you said. It's when, when you reach, and, and obviously God calls us to reach everybody, regardless of where Amen. you are socially, politically, financially. But there is some merit to when you reach influencers, m- multitudes of people are going to be influenced. Uh, there's a statement, and, and we all see talking about the, the division and people saying so-and-so's not my president if it's not the one or my governor or my mayor or whatever the case may be if it's not from the party that they selected. And everybody who hears this podcast knows there's so much division on social media, especially in election years. I mean, I, I see the worst of the worst of even people who claim to be believers who can be some of the most crass, rude, and hateful people ever. Matter of fact, yesterday, you may have seen it on Twitter, I tweeted out that Twitter, and it was obviously sarcasm, but I tweeted out that Twitter might change their logo from a bird to a wolf because many people on the platform are only interested in devouring one another. Uh, But one of the things, uh, you know, talking about this, Frank, and and I see this on social media. Uh, Matter of fact, there's even a, a, a local ministry leader here who I saw a post on a social media platform you cannot be a Christian if you voted for blank. And I won't say who it is because it's inconsequential. And I'm sure you hear that as well. You hear people from both sides. You hear people who are Christians say, you couldn't be a Christian if you voted for so-and-so. Um, and, and, and again, you hear on both sides. What's your thought about that? Because, Frank, honestly, um, without getting too far off in the weeds here, um, I was up in the Northeast preaching at a extremely influential church, one of the largest churches in all of the Northeast. And I was at lunch with the pastor. He's a man of respect. He's got decades of integrity, a clear record, a guy that has spent his life serving God through serving other people. And we were at lunch um, in Boston one day. And uh, so somehow we gravitated to a discussion about politics. And um, and he had made it very clear that um uh, that he typically aligned himself with the Democratic Party. And um, and it, it just baffles me because, again, I know this man. I've known him for a long time, and I've, I've spoken at his church numerous times. And there are people that say, well, hey, um, not referencing him, but say, you cannot be a believer and vote democratically or as, as a Republican. Well, what's your thought on that, Frank? Yeah, well, that's a great question, Jay. Um, I even think of, you know, Dr. Billy Graham way back in his day was a registered Democrat only to vote in the primaries. Um, you know, God only knows exactly how he voted in private. Um, but, you know, when I think of the Lord and the, the biblical mandate that we have, you know, I do think the Lord does represent life, leadership, liberty, love, 
And then the devil embodies death, destruction, um, debt. It can just go on and on. But I have said this. I've met some godly Christians on both sides of the aisle. I've also seen the worst on both sides of the aisle. And um, I've been actually ministered by elected officials on both sides of the aisle. So God only knows the heart. But I do know that when we have an opportunity to stand for what's true, to, you know, the Bible is clear, to abstain from all appearances of evil. We do know sin is sin. Just because my sin is different than someone else's sin doesn't mean I'm less than a sinner. Um, it, God died for all of us. But in this late hour, I do think we would be wise to just take an internal inventory, get back in Scripture, and just see how best can I represent the Lord. I, I was asked to speak one time at an event um, at a Republican, some event, and I got up there with the mic and love, told a capacity crowd, in your mind, you could be right politically and still left out with the Lord. And I gave an altar call at a meeting. <laughs> And we had 13 people get saved, and one guy left. He goes, I didn't know if I was at a rally or a revival, but either way, it was a blast. And, uh, you know, and, and on both camps' minds, you know, there's some folks that would really think, yeah, I'm on the left, and, you know, Jesus gave to all men liberally, you know, and they could run with that scripture. And then, you know, in some people's minds, sincere, could just think we're totally on the right side. I liked what Lincoln said. It's, you know, really not so much if— if uh, God is on our side, but really, are we on God's side? And we have to just align with him. But I thank God for public service. Some of the most godliest people I know, believe it or not, are elected officials. They have a deep burden for God. There's a narrative today that's falsely saying that we shouldn't love America. Well, there's a reason we say we love God and country. You know, God is first. But, you know, even Jesus said, render to Caesars what Caesars. He said, occupy till I come. You know, America is a special place. Um, but if folks are thinking this is going to be some utopia, heaven on earth, they've missed it. Because, you know, some trust in chariots. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. I'm looking for a city to come. And uh, heaven is going to be so much greater than anywhere we've seen on earth because of I've come to the conclusion, if we don't know the Lord, this is the only heaven that they'll get. Um, but for those of us who know the Lord, this is only the hell that we'll ever experience. And it will get bumpy. It's uh, been a little tense. Uh, it's not always been fun. But I just know that we're supposed to just shine a light, show um, the love of God, to just try to win the lost. And just try to be kind to our fellow man, because um, anyone can act like the devil, but in this late hour, we're to be salt and light. Yeah, well, that's a that's a great response, Frank. And obviously, you know as well as anybody, the great mandate, it's love God and love other people. And, and especially in election year, it, it doesn't seem like many people who claim to love God uh, are showing a lot of love to other people. And you know, I, I obviously don't understand that my grandmother is one of the godliest, and it was a different day and time, one of the godliest people I've ever known. And uh, she voted Democrat her entire life. And, uh, of course, she was what they call in the old days a yellow dog Democrat. My my grandfather was um, a electrician and was part of a union, and pretty much, you know, you voted whatever the union said. It wouldn't matter whether it was Republican or Democrat, but you followed suit. 
But uh, I agree, you know, you can be a Christian and you can vote. And that's not popular. There's going to be some feedback I'm sure I'm going to get on this podcast as a result of saying that. And and even going back to the pastor in Boston, he, he made a statement. He said, someone might ask me how I could align myself with the Democratic Party. And he said, normally they would say, how can you do that because of the abortion issue? But he said, I would flip the script if someone were to ask me that and turn around and ask them. And, of course, he was talking about that election year, of course, was, was Trump and, and Biden. But he would say, he said, I, I would ask them, um, well, do you have a problem voting for someone who has a proven history of unfaithfulness to their wife? And so, again, not, not to get in a, a debate here about that, but I just found his response interesting from the aspect of he said, Jay, I, I don't agree with abortion, even though I vote with I vote with the Democratic Party. And he said, I know of people who I love and respect greatly who align themselves with the Republican Party, who um, at the same time would say, you know, I don't align myself with certain things that Republicans in the past have been found guilty of, any more so than um, some than, than people would in regards to the abortion issue. So I don't know. I, th- I thought it was an interesting perspective. And again, I know several people who voted on both sides of the aisle and, and I want to show respect. And, and I think, you know, kind of wrapping this thing up, it's a willingness to find common ground. I, I've always said I, I would rather be um, divided by truth than united by error. And I stand by that. And I believe even now, but just because I make that statement doesn't mean that I can't find common ground. I've mentioned on another podcast, I've got a very close friend who's an atheist, and he is a a very dear friend of mine. Obviously, we have some very different opinions. We go to lunch together. Um, I love the guy dearly. And obviously, I hope at one point to be able to reach him. But even if I don't, um, there are some really unique things that I've learned as a result of understanding why he thinks the way he thinks, why he votes the way that he votes. And it's been really an eye-opening experience. Amen. And I just thank you for not only locally, but nationally, Jay, uh, and even globally, just for not only standing for truth, but doing it in love. But you don't back down. But um, anytime we can look in the, the Word and really just try to see through, not only through the binoculars of the Bible, but through the lenses of the Lord, but still take in consideration what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. You know, how did they grow up? Why did they see it differently? And learn, you know, I, I think uh, one of the things of loving and listening is what helps us learn. So I just think uh, I, I tip my hat to you. We should go out, meet with folks, treat them to lunch and uh, hear their story. And then when we hear their story, we can share his story. And uh, that's when the gospel is further. Well, and that's really great, Frank, a, a great wrap up for today. Uh, I mean, it really is. You know, we're always looking for a takeaway, and, and, and I think about some of the things that you've said today. Our, our goal should be to reach people. Our goal should not be to divide people, that we can agree to disagree and, and still show God's love to other people that we, as you stated earlier, have difference with. You know, God's God's message, again, over and over, is to love other people. It doesn't mean you agree with them. It doesn't mean you vote the same, but it does mean that you're called to love them. Frank, it's been great being with you today, man. I appreciate you. I I, I respect your ministry. 
Um, I know there's a lot of people from various walks of life that listen to this podcast, but I would say if you're listening to this podcast and you're any in any place in ministry and you want to bring somebody in who's going to inspire, challenge, motivate, and really be a tool to share the unequivocal, unabated message of the gospel in its clearest and purest form, Frank Shelton is the guy for you to connect with, no doubt. Well, that means so much, Jay, but I would, no joke aside, I would also encourage him to book you first because, man, you've been a true inspiration. You've ministered to me, and you're doing it at a big, big level, and I can't wait to see you again. I love you, and God bless you. Thank you, Frank.